If your footwear is out of date, head to runwaysneakercloset.bigcartel.com. That's runwaysneakercloset.bigcartel.com, where they're committed to bringing the latest brands and quality shoes from Nike, Adidas, Puma, and the Jordan brand. Again, that's runwaysneakercloset.bigcartel.com. What's going on, everybody? You know who it is. It's After Hours Live, the man conditional host, Tay Wicks. And your co-host, Mark Senior. Man, first and foremost, Happy New Year to everybody out there that's listening. Um, let's jump right into it. The college football scenario. You know, we had the Final Four, Ohio State and Clemson, Oklahoma and LSU. When you look at these games that happened this past weekend, what... what what was the good and what was the bad that you want to take away from these college football games? Um, the, the good, I mean, it was out of those four teams, the only good game was the Ohio State-Clemson uh, game. But I, I personally feel like a lot of it is because of the refs, which is also the bad. I mean, because that LSU-Oklahoma game was just a blowout. Right. They ran away quickly with it, I think, uh, Joe Burrow had what seven touchdowns in the first half, which was like a record. Or something. So that game, that game was over quick. But the yeah. um, this Ohio State game, I felt like it, it had the signs that Ohio State was going to blow them out. You know, they got out sixteen nothing. But they, the refs called back a couple of the, of the Ohio State touchdowns that I felt like shouldn't have been. Right, and to the piggyback on that, what you were saying too, just watching that college football game. The Ohio State and Clemson game. We know the game is very controversial. We know the Ohio State has won some controversial games too in the bowl game going back to 2002, playing Miami on Chris mm-hmm. Gamble with the um the pass interference call. But at the end of the day, I'm gonna say this: Ohio State had multiple times to get the Tigers where they wanted. Um, they got to the red zone twice in the first half and keep field goals. I'm talking about down to the three or four yard line. And by me living down here in, in the Carolina area, I know the Clemson Tigers' defense is stingy when they're on the 10-yard line facing the team and the team to score. So Ohio State had plenty of times to get in. They could do anything. They could really play action, anything down there to get the Clemson Tigers rattled. But with that going, with that being said, they should have scored two touchdowns when they kicking two field goals. The referees, second of all, was from the SEC crew. So it's pretty much to me like Clemson had like the whole the home field advantage when it came to the referees part when refereeing the game. Uh, I feel like there's there's a bunch okay. of missed calls in that game. You know what I'm saying? You're going to miss some calls, but some of the calls is blatantly. Uh, Chase Young was getting held a lot. Uh, I thought they didn't swallow the pride on that. He got face masks a couple of times that I was looking at. Um, mm-hmm. J.K. Dobbins, the defensive lineman for the Clemson Tigers, was twisting his ankles while they had him, and while he was down, a Clemson Tiger. Came with his helmet, with the crown of the helmet, and hit him helmet to helmet. So that's automatic ejection because the man was already down by contact. It's a lot of things that went wrong. Yeah, it's a lot of things that were yeah, it's a lot of things that went wrong in that game. But to the Ohio State credibility, they didn't cry about it. Uh, they they knew the, the opportunities they had to seize the moment. They didn't seize the moments with the opportunities they had. Um, I thought. I thought I thought Ryan Day came up with a good game plan to get his team to the next level. Uh, going to the going to I would say we said late in the fourth quarter or middle of the fourth quarter when Ohio State mm-hmm. got the controversial call when the receiver I think that was T Higgins who caught the ball 
He had the ball over his over. He caught it over his head. That was one second. Brung it down was two. Turned around. There was three. And he took two steps. So that's possession of a catch of a receiver. So when he turned around, David Arnett, Demar Arnett, got the stripping the ball away from him. They got picked up and got scooted to the house with six points. The referees right. came back and took six points off the board. Once I seen that happen, I told Ari, I said, look, they're going to take our points away. And I knew he had the ball. They're going to overturn it because I already knew that the crew was from the SEC. And with that being said, we know Ohio State beat Alabama almost four or five years ago for the first title of the, of the new championship title series since it's been in play. Uh, I just feel like the referees had the game in their hand and they called it their way. I'm not going to argue the ref call, but if anyone with two eyes in America could see that was the wrong call, when people think that was the right call, are the people living in the Carolina areas. kid you not. Right. I kid you not. Because yeah, that, that was like the... Like, out of all the calls they missed, that one was the worst because it, it took all the momentum call. away. Absolutely. Absolutely took all the momentum away because I just thought Ohio State had it. Like I told Ariane, I kid you not, Marcus. I'm going to sit here and tell the, tell the truth. I said, Ohio State, we up 16-0. Don't get comfortable. I seen Clemson come back and beat teams like this before. And I told Ariane, I said, we in trouble. She said, you think so? I said, yeah, we in trouble. Ohio State getting too comfortable. And they did. Right. They should have been trying to put as many points as possible on those boys. That's why them calls, them, you know, them ref calls early when they took away J.K. Dobbins, you know, the little uh, little screen pass for the touchdown. Those points is crucial at that time because they, they could have put them away, but they got comfortable and the refs, refs got aggressive. <laughs> right. And, too, I'm glad you said that, too, Marcus. When you're looking at that, I noticed, too, in that second half, anytime Ohio State had a big play for 12 yards or more, it came back. It came back. A holding here. This is a holding. Let's be honest. You can call holding on every down if you want. I'm just being honest. A lot, a lot could have been called in that game. But we're gonna switch it ahead. We're gonna go talk about Oklahoma, LSU. Oklahoma. Hmm. I mean, they really made uh, the Heisman Trophy winner look like a Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, um, Jalen had, you know, he was like they only hope. For Oklahoma, he scored. I think he had all three of the you know touchdowns early in that game, and nobody else was really doing anything to, to help him out. You know, he was like he was being a quarterback, the receiver, like he was the running back. He was doing everything. You know, right. LSU was just you know running smoothly. Anything they wanted, they got. I'm glad you said that too, because just just taking heat with that game, I already know Oklahoma plays no defense. It's looking like the the cornerbacks has no clue where to be on the field. Every time you've seen them, their head was t- never turned around. They never looked for the ball. It just was running. They're just running. Right. <laughs> you play for LSU or you play for Oklahoma. I don't know who is their defensive coordinator, but that was awful. That was awful. I mean, who was they tackling? I mean, they was Oklahoma defense was playing pillow defense. Pillow defense. Pillow. And like you said, Jalen Hurts was the main reason, and he was the catalyst. For this team, I would never want to see an Oklahoma team back in the Final Four after that display. And today, I learned how to play some defense. Point blank, period. Uh, going into Joe to Joe Barrows, the Athens, Ohio native. They renamed the college, I mean, not the college, they renamed the high school football stadium after him because of the success wow. he had. So, you talk about, he's not even in the pros yet. You're talking about 
a collegiate athlete, a fifth-year senior, got a high school stadium named after him. That is, that's big and that's real promising coming from somebody like that. And when I'm looking at that young kid, do he have the potential to be the number one draft pick? Yes, he may be playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. But we already know we've seen some good quarterback play in college football over the last 15, 20 years. The whole thing is, can you get some of these guys on that level to produce at a professional level? Because college football is there from the NFL. Right. And, and like you said, Joe Burrow threw seven touchdowns in the first half, Marcus. He has two wide receivers that's legitimate, well over a thousand yards. For sure. I mean, I think he trying to, um, he, he was playing like he wanted to stay in Ohio, like he wanted to go to, you know, put on that orange and black down in Cincinnati, you know, not too far from where he, uh, you know, it's on the other side of the state, but it's still Southern Ohio. You know, he's, uh, I guess that would be Southeast Athens. He's trying to get Southwest, trying to get put on that Bengals uniform. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you know, you are a fellow uh, Bearcat downer. So you already know what it's like to be in that type of environment with those type of teams. Um mm-hmm. I'm just oh, looking at this. He's a Bobcat. He's a Bobcat. <laughs> yeah, my bad. I'm sorry, I'm sorry Bobcat. About your beer I'm getting confused with that other team, that, that Cincinnati team. Right. right. <laughs> um, when looking at that team, when looking at that uh, at that LSU Tigers team, does this team have enough to win the national title come here January 13th? Hmm. I mean, it's hard to say because, the you know, their last couple of opponents, they just made easy work out of them. And Clemson, until Ohio State game, they really ain't played nobody. Uh-huh. And, you know, they showed the heart of the champion that game. You know, they, they, you know, survived. But it looked like LSU was going to be the favorite. I mean, it seemed like they got all the firepower. Uh, like you said, they were our receivers, a couple of them over 1,000 yards receiving, Heisman Trophy winner. Um, uh-huh. They coach is making all the right calls. He's starting to look like he, you know, He's going to be on that, that uh, coaching shrine, um, you know, where, where Obermeyer used to be up there, uh, Saban. You know, I think he he trying to be, you know, Dabo for Clemson. So he's trying to get up there in that realm, too. So, like, they got everything going for them in the right direction at the right time. And it seems like exactly. it's going to be LSU year. So if you had to pick if you had to pick a team to win, I already know who you probably going to go to with. But when you look at the spread – how many points are you gonna give LSU to win this game? Touchdowns. Uh, I, I say they win by two touchdowns. I mean, it, I'm trying not to let that Oklahoma game uh, sway sway me, but I think they got uh, at least two touchdowns on them. Uh, I think a game would be close. You know, throughout you know the first three quarters, and I think in the fourth quarter they're gonna pull away. I think two touchdowns, mm. give them 14 points. I'm gonna say, give me, give me LSU 17. Take it, LSU. To go up to win this game by 17. Okay. Basically two and a half touchdowns. Yeah, I'm going with two and a half. I'm going with two and a half. I think they'll be a national champion. That being said, I just think this team is a little bit more poised, a little bit more hungrier. I think Dabo Sweet, to me, is becoming more of a crybaby because he didn't get that <laughs> overall seed that he won. But you only right. are, you only good as your last opponent you played. I think the only scare they had all season long was North Carolina, and they barely beat them. They they beat them by two points. So, and I think, and like you said, their toughest opponent been Ohio State. Due to the first of all, I think Ohio State would have won. I thought, to me, I think Ohio State had a better team 
than the Crimson Tigers. But like you said, you can't never knock the champion out until they lose again. So far, they are the defending champions. I will respect that at the end of the day. But Right. And something we ain't mentioned is this game is going to be in New Orleans, you know. It's a home game. It's a home game for LSU, pretty much. And what they coach say? Go Tigers. I'm going with LSU at home. And they got a playoff game, too, there. That's, I want to say, that Saturday, I believe, or Sunday. So I believe they played that Sunday, I believe. So there's a lot of things going oh, yeah. down right there right there in the French Quarter, Bourbon Street, and all that stuff down in New Orleans in the Superdome. It's going to be football crazy down there. Yep. So we're gonna switch this topic on. We said we're gonna we're going what we both take an LSU. Um we're gonna switch on to the next topic. Marcus, hit us up to the next topic. All right, so we're gonna stay in the same, you know, sporting realm. We're gonna go with football. You know, the Dallas Cowboys did something they should have did maybe like two or three years ago. Ooh, uh, ooh. And they were leaving Jason Garrett at his duties. You know, I, I like I said, I thought it should have been done a while ago. Um but they finally, you know, a light bulb went off this year. You know, I guess, you know, they're like the they're like the Browns of their division, too. You know, they got all the talent, but they didn't produce any wins. So it's time to make some changes, you know. So uh, who do you think Dallas is going to replace them with? You know, there's a couple of big names out there um, on the market. You know, the Browns is interviewing some of them as well. You know, you got Mike McCarthy. You know, Urban Meyer's been said a lot for both the Browns and uh, Dallas. But who, who do you think? Uh, what I think America's team is gonna go with America's team. I'm be I'm be honest. With you. I am a uh, I am Cleveland Browns fan, but growing up a kid, I was a huge Dallas Cowboys fan. Deion Sanders, Emmitt Smith, Troy Aikman, uh, Daryl Moose Johnston, Michael Irvin. I can keep going, going. Darren Woodson. I can go on and on about this team. Um, I'm looking at somebody like Jason Garrett, who's from Northeast Ohio. He's from he's a Youngstown native. He's a cowboy lifer. He's been there. He was Troy Aikman's backup quarterback. A lot of uh, y'all, a lot of um, young wow. young people don't know that he was the backup quarterback for Troy Aikman. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. Last time the Cowboys been relevant, Marcus was 1995, back with Jimmy Johnson was the coach uh, for them. I mean, and the reason too they were good. Jimmy Johnson had a GM. If they can go back to getting a GM, Jerry mm-hmm. Jones will be back on top of the world. It's Jerry's world. We know his jury's work because you turn the TV <laughs> on. It's something always played in NCAA Final Four. Uh, he got he opened up college football season with a Chick Fil A Chick Fil A game. It's all, high school high school football state championship is played there. Ho- soccer games are played there. It's Jerry's world. Jerry Jerry Jones, listen to me. If you want to get back to being on top where you want to be, we know you're going to sell the jersey because the logo sells itself. Get you a GM. Mm, that star. That star. Because right now, the Patriots is taking over as your American's favorite team. So right now, get you a GM. Somebody's going to go in there because Jerry Jones, you cannot be the owner of the team, the GM, the locker room guy. The first, he, He's the first person to speak to the media after a Cowboys. Like, he went out there and played 38 <laughs> to 45 minutes of football. See, we got to get out there. You know, we just got to taking one step at a time. You're not playing for them. Just be the mm-hmm. owner. You can put your input. Don't get it twisted. Owners can put their input, mm-hmm. but there's no way you can be the GM. Mm-hmm. So right now, the best candidate right now probably be Urban Meyer. The, the Cleveland Browns said they want somebody with NFL experience, so that's gone. We know Riverboat yeah. Ron Rivera got picked up 
by the Redskins. I thought it was a great pickup. Because I'm living for the Cunnings when he coached the Panthers. I know what it's like to have Ron Rivera as your coach. He's not a he's not an analytical guy. He don't he don't go by analytics. He played football. He go on guts, not mm-hmm. instincts. For uh, sure. It seemed like he just got traded. I mean, the way how smooth that transition was. He got let go one day, the next day he was with a Redskins coach. It was like a trade almost. Right. You know, but you know probably got him there. My man Josh No No Norman got him there because he was a Panther. Then he went to watch the Redskins. And people laugh at me. I said, don't be surprised if the Redskins they should be a wild card team. Because Ron Rivera comes from that military background. Everybody do their job. If you ain't seen, if you don't have Amazon Prime, go watch the Panthers thing called All for Nothing. He let players have it. He cussed them, he cussed them out. He let them know when it's wrong is wrong, when it's right is right. Right. But let's go back to I'm all, all I want to derail, go to this track a little bit. Back to your question, who should be the Dallas Cowboys coach? If the Browns don't if 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 Mike McCarthy don't sign with the Cleveland Browns, he could be a candidate for the Dallas Cowboys. Urban Meyer could be another one. Or maybe one of these college one of these collegiate guys could be actually the coach for the Dallas Cowboys. But I, I know how Mike McCarthy worked. Mike McCarthy worked good under a GM. So out of all these coaches that have been out here in this coaching room, we know Josh is another favorite for a lot of teams out here, you know, come with Super Bowl experience. Do you want do you want him to lead your team? This we talk about a guy who was supposed to take a job with the Indianapolis Colts and by the time that contract he bailed out and went back to New England. The reason I'm saying this, this could be getting a little dicey. Maybe he might be the same time Brady do play his last game Saturday. And Bell Belichick said, you know what? I think it's time for me to move on. Josh McDaniels oh. can easily just fall into that to being a coach there. Nobody's not talking about that. Mm-hmm. So, I'm a, to me, when I think of the Dallas Cowboys, Urban Meyer, because Urban Meyer's came out and said the only thing he would like to coach would be the Dallas Cowboys. Even though I know him, him and Jimmy and D. Haslam have a tight relationship at the end yeah. of the day. I'm going to say Urban Meyer and probably Mike McCarthy might be your best two out there to be a, to be when you're on, on the coaching staff of the Cowboys. Which, who do you think might be the coach of the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, I think right now, uh, you know, you, you mentioned him. You know, Urban Meyer, I think he's the front runner. Uh, even though I, I think he truly is done, uh, you know, standing on the sidelines, coaching football. But I, I think, you know, Jerry can talk, you know, persuade him into taking a job, you know, with some some figures, maybe six or eight, you know, six, maybe more like ten figures. <laughs> ten figures to get Urban Meyer maybe to come. Coach the Dallas Cowboys, he'll you know he'll be back leading Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, you know they got a good rapport. Well, at least they did until you know his last you know Zeke's last year in Ohio State. I think it'll be right. a good fit for him. Um, it's just like I said, I don't know his, his desire to come back and coach football unless the, you know it's a check your bag he can't pass. So I, I, I agree with you. I think it's going to be Urban Meyer right now. Um, I do think uh, for also the Browns, too, is a, a slight chance, you know, San Francisco defensive coordinator may sneak in that everybody knows this and take one of those jobs, too. Ooh. The one thing I noticed, I don't think sometimes the defensive coordinator, to me, in my eyes, make a good head coach. Because all he knows is defense. True, true. I mean, the, uh, we just seen that with a, a couple of defensive coordinators. Uh, you know, the one that comes to mind is, um, what is he now, the defensive coordinator for the Jets? He took over the head coaching job after Hugh Jackson last year for the Browns. And, you know, he had moments, but the, I think the oh, offense. Oh, yeah, Mr. Come get some. 
Yeah, you know, I, I think the offense suffered when you know when he was the head coach, but the defense thrived. Like, so you got to have a strong offensive coordinator if you're going to hire a former defensive coordinator to be your head coach. Right now, since we're talking about head coaches, we know Ron Rivera off the books. What you think? You no, know, before we switch to about the other team, when I'm looking at Urban Meyer. I'm looking at him as a no nonsense guy. I think the person that would benefit from this the most would be Dak Prescott because Urban Meyer is a really good coach when it comes to quarterback situations. We know sometimes, mm-hmm. some well for the last couple of years, Dak Prescott sometimes felt under pressure. We don't. They don't talk about it on TV. It's not a game where Dak Prescott overthrows the player where he actually has a running lane in front of him. He's going to be that dual-threat quarterback. You know, Urban Meyer likes those type of quarterbacks, from Dwayne Haskins to Cardell Jones to Braxton Miller. All them guys, he had a dual-threat quarterback. And you could do a lot of things with that Prescott, and Jason Gary didn't know how to use that. Just imagine Urban Meyer co- coach him. You were talking about a totally different offense. Everybody needs uh, You got Jason Wins a tight end. His, his best years are behind him. I don't know why they grunk about retirement. Maybe it's for more of a cultural thing in the locker room to push guys. Uh, mm-hmm. I think they got a, they got another young that. stud tight end who I think could fit right into that moment in that mode and take over. But he don't get no chances because because Jason Witten is there and Jason Witten didn't do anything this season. Only thing that changed about his game is he came back with a ball in. <laughs> right, right. You know what. I really thought they were going to uh, – they thought they were going to the Super Bowl. You know, they'll get, you know, win a ring for him. But, like you said, he just – he was just there as a, a prop piece, a locker room guy because he really didn't do much. He really wasn't a Jason uh, Witten of all. So, it, it's plenty of opportunity all over their roster, you know, for growth. Uh, and, but I think you're hitting it right on the head with the uh, dual quarterback and, and Urban Meyer. That's, that's his cup of tea, you know, from all the way down to Tim Tebow. He always right. thrive with those type of quarterbacks. Right. And Tim Tebow, and the crazy thing is Tim Tebow don't have a job in the NFL. I don't care. You know, I didn't like the Florida Gators, but I like Tim Tebow. Tim <laughs> Tebow, listen, listen to this. Listen, I'm going to how crazy this is. Tim Tebow playing football with the Denver Broncos, right? Goes to the playoffs to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. He throws the game with a touchdown, right? The, the, after, the, after they won that game, and I think that was a wild card game, we did beat the, uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I believe Ryan Carr got toasted for that touchdown. And I think Emmanuel Sanders caught that ball, if I'm mistaken. After they lost the next round, Tim Tebow get released and never been back in the NFL system. Nope. No. Disrespect. Uh, speaking of head coaches of his head coaching carousel, who do you think would be the Browns' next, the next coach? Um, I think right now uh, I'm leaning towards either Mike McCarthy or, like I said, uh, Robert Saleh. You know, the San Francisco defensive coordinator. But uh, I'm leaning more towards Mike McCarthy. I think he'll, he'll be the next head coach. But I don't know how well he's going to do because they need a GM, too. So, And then they were talking about hiring the coach before the GM, which to me is kind of backwards. But, you know, it is what it is. It's the Browns. But I think Mike McCarthy would be the next Browns coach. No, it's, it's so funny because they, everybody want to go about do analytics when it comes to this coaching thing. I mean – you got to put the pieces in play to get everything right. You have to. Hmm. <laughs> I'm looking at, I think the head coach will be Mike McCarthy. Wherever Paul D. Podesta dues for the Cleveland Browns in the front office, that's going to be a tough situation to bring on the GM. And after what Jim Dorsey did, 
ain't no telling what the Browns might do at that at the at, at that position. Right. Um, it's a lot. It's, it's a lot to be. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's a lot going on right now for the Cleveland Browns. You got to find an offensive coordinator, a head coach, a defensive coordinator. They clean house, bro. That's, that's all I can say. They clean house. Mm-hmm. They definitely clean house. So that's gonna be a tough situation for the Cleveland Browns. I think the head coach might be Mike McCarthy. Maybe he can him. He said he took a whole year off to redefine himself as a head coach. Maybe because the playbook that he was using with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers, I keep saying it. You know, everybody want to hear a new voice. Mm-hmm. I mean, so, I just hope you don't have like a uh, you know you know comparing him to somebody in basketball. You know, a Thibodeau who took a year off said the same thing, came back and he's still doing the same thing, and now he's out of a job too. So I just hope Mark McCarthy really <laughs> redefined himself and not just go. Just come right. in a new situation, do the same thing over again. Right. You know, so funny that you said about Tibbs. Tibbs want to get back into the NBA. He, right. he, he want to coach. So He sure do. I mean, he was saying the same things that Mike McCarthy saying. Like he took a year off and just studied. He got that Minnesota job, and, you know, everybody's saying he just did the same thing over. It was just like Chicago and Minnesota. He even got Jimmy Butler, Derrick Rose. Like, he even brought all his same guys back, Taj Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> he brought back the two thousand. He brought back the two thousand five Chicago Bulls eight years later. <laughs> all they was all hurt. Right. So I'm just hoping Mike McCarthy do some do a little, just a little tweak it a little bit. All right, Marcus. Since we're still in the NFL, we got we got a couple of games on this weekend starting Saturday. We got the Buffalo Bills and the Houston Texans. Right. That's the first game at four thirty five. Then you got the late game at Tennessee Titans and New England Patriots. Who are you going with? In that first game, Buffalo Bills and the Houston Texans. Um, I really like what the Buffalo Bills did this season, um, but I think their offense is limited. Uh, I think defensively, they're you know like they're the top in the league, but offensively, I can't see them putting up enough points to beat Texans. I'm a big uh, Deshaun Watson guy, so I'm going with the Houston Texans. I I'm going. Uh, I'm going to go to Texans at home too. Give me the Texans by. Give me the Texans by ten. I, I say same thing. Ten. I don't see it being a blowout, so 10 points, I think that's fair. I'll say the same thing, too, like you said. I think the Houston Texans got more. I think J.J. Watt supposed to be right now. I think he's a game-time decision wow. for this playoff game. So if you get wow. if you get J.J. Watt out there, you're talking about that's a whole other scheme that this young Buffalo team got to come up with. you talk about the Buffalo Bills. This is 18-6, man. That's pretty impressive from where they were at last year. Houston, Texas, like I said, they, they they got DeAndre Hopkins. You know, you know that man catch everything except for a cold. And you got Deshaun Watson who could beat you with your legs. Second game, you got the Tennessee Titans and the New England Patriots. Could this be the fall of Tom Brady? Could this be it? Could this be the last dance? Can this be the last morale? Can this be the last train ticket out of out of Boston? When you're looking at this, and then you got the young Tennessee oh, yeah. Titans. You got who they got? Mike Vrabel going up against his predecessor, Bill Belichick. Who are you going with? Patriots. You got the Patriots at home. And people think this is going to be an upset game. They think the Tennessee Titans can come on the road and beat the New England Patriots. Ooh. I, I think I'm one of them people. I, I think this is it for them. Um, I think Derrick Henry going to run all over them. Tom Brady ain't got – he don't got – I mean, he got Edelman, but Edelman ain't been Edelman at all. He don't got that receiver or that tight end he needs in these playoffs games to give him some relief. Um, and like, safety, like like Stephen A. say, he gonna be tap dancing like Gregory Hines in that pocket. So I, I'm, I'm going with 
I'm going with the Titans to upset them. And I think Derrick Henry going to have like three touchdowns this game. This game. So that's a bold prediction. You're going against Tom Brady, as they, as people call him, the GOAT. The GOAT of who? Um, this He's is tough, goat, one but he's going to lose. <laughs> it's tough because, you know, Tom Brady is 12-4 and four th- this season. And, you know, they still got that mantra, do your job. Um, it's kind of hard to go against the Patriots in this particular order. I don't think the Titans have enough to beat, a, a, what is it, a six-time NFL Super Bowl champion in those words. Um, but I'm going to go out and say this. I'm going to say this. Tom Brady may. I'm going to say give me the Patriots to win this game by 14. I'm taking the Patriots. I don't think Tennessee okay. has enough to do what it takes. You talk about Ryan Tannehill, first start in the NFL playoffs. Notice how I mentioned him. I said, I said, just said, bro, Derrick Henry. Notice I mentioned him. I, I, I mean, he, he outshined uh, Marcus Mariota tenure in uh, Tennessee during the season, but yeah, I don't know about him in the playoffs against uh, the Patriots. I don't know about that. They got to run the ball. They don't run the ball. My prediction is going to go to the to the to the dumpster. If they try to throw with uh, Tannehill, yeah, they're going to lose. That's true. That is definitely true. But uh, hey, give me, give me the uh, give me give me the uh, Patriots. I take the Patriots by fourteen at home. It's just the Tennessee Titans. That's just too much for them to come up in Foxborough. I, I, that's my prediction. Then you got the Sunday game, Marcus. You got the revenge game. The Minnesota Vikings with that miracle catch they had a couple of years ago against the New Orleans Saints. New Orleans Saints, a different team. Alvin Kamara, Drew Brees. You know what I like about Drew Brees? They don't talk about him as that much. You know, he's one of these quarterbacks who has won a, a Super Bowl ring in his decade. He don't he don't get nearly the respect like the Aaron Rodgers. The Tom Brady's of the world, the big men's. But this, you talk about Drew Brees, probably no more than probably about six feet as a smaller quarterback in these playoffs. I'm going with the Saints to beat the Vikings big. Give me, give me, give me, give me the Vikings. I mean, give me the Saints to win this game by three touchdowns. Yes, I said it. That <laughs> Superdome is going to be rocking. I mean, like you said, the whole weekend, and then going in, you know, with that. Or that be Monday? No, that would be next Monday. Uh, so no, it won't be the weekend. But the whole week, New Orleans is gonna be. They gonna have all the momentum. They gonna have yeah. all the momentum. <laughs> and I don't see uh, them losing on a miracle catch again. So I'm gonna agree. This this is probably gonna be a blowout. I'm taking the, the Saints big. Uh, you said three touchdowns. It probably will be that. All right, Sunday's game. You got the Seattle Seahawks traveling to Philly. Do Philly has enough left for the Philly special? <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't think that they're going to get any Philly specials. The only thing they're going to be handing out is Philly cheesesteaks. Oh, <laughs> you said Philly cheesesteaks with extra cheese? <laughs> with extra cheese. That, that's all that's going to be going down in Philly. I, I'm thinking Seahawks in this one. I think they're going to beat them. I, uh, I, I would say 10 points. 10 points, Seattle. Right. You said 10. I was going 13. I think Marshawn okay. Lynch is he back? Since Marshawn Lynch and Robert Turbin is back with the Seahawks, I think Marshawn Lynch get a touchdown in this game right there. I'm like, give me the Seahawks. It's just I think Russell Russell Wilson now has two legitimate running backs that can actually block for him. Not nothing against the rookie, but you talking about they bringing in two veteran guys who won a Super Bowl with this team and know what it takes to get to the next level. Everything that Russell Russ, I mean Russell, I'm call Russell Westbrook. That Russell Wilson does is going to be the help of 
those veteran running backs. And I think it's, that's a key addition because they know what it takes, Marcus, to win the game. Seahawks 13, Pete Carroll, keep rocking. All right? We're done with NFL wild card wins. I mean, we can. Marcus, take us right to basketball. I know you got someone in the NBA. Oh, yeah. So uh, the NBA, you know, it's, it's that time of year where things start to get tight. Uh, in the, I'm particularly paying attention to this, this race in the West. You know, the two L.A. teams, you got the Lakers, the Clippers. Um, and then Denver is, like, sneakily hanging around, hanging around that one, two, three spot. Um, so I'm, I think the Lakers is going to win not only the, the West, but I think the, the way things are looking. They, they may, LeBron may get that fourth ring. He may get that fourth ring. I, I think the Clippers, you know, in the regular season, they kind of got their number, but I think the playoffs is a whole different thing. Um, the way how they plan, I think they're gonna win the West and eventually win, uh, you know, the, the whole thing. Um, they go to I, I, I like, right. I like what uh, the teams are doing in the East. They're more competitive uh, right now. I just don't see a team competing with either uh, the Clippers or the Lakers for a championship. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think they they got you know top to bottom. They probably a better conference this year. Yeah, I said it. I think the East is probably a better conference, top to bottom, but the the West has the best two teams in the league. Okay. I piggyback what you say on that, you know. So going to the NBA, you know, first and foremost, the NBA lost a legend. Um, David Stern died at 77 years old with brain hemorrhage on the start of the year off in January sure. 1st. Mm-hmm. Uh, going forward, all the teams, I think, for the rest of the season will be wearing black striped patches on their jersey, showing their respect to David Stern, who was the commissioner uh, for the 30 years. He opened up the game. He started the, uh, the Olympic basketball team to have the guys play. Uh, he, was just, he was a big deal to the league. Um, changed the game up. Started the idea with the All-Star game with the dunk contest, which the dunk contest originally started in the ABA. He brought it into the NBA to get the fans more more involved. First thing he's, he did as the commissioner of the NBA, he stopped the tape delay of the NBA oh, finals. All, so that was huge. So now all games are being live on TV because of him. Um I thought he did. I thought he did a couple of great things. You know, he was a man of the people. He always got booed for some reason. I don't care what sport that these commissioners are, they always get booed. <laughs> he took, he took it. He took it to the heart. Like, okay, y'all booing me, but at the end of the day, y'all still watch the NBA. Y'all still love the product. So keep booing me. I'm the reason why the product has taken off to higher heights and a new level. So I think I forgot what year it was. He, that he got booed when it started happening. He's like, I can't hear you guys. That's as loud as you can do. And the booze went for boo. They got really, really loud. He said, that's more like it. But the first pick <laughs> of the NBA. I don't know him personally, but looking at Twitter and Instagram, what the player said about David Stern, the commissioner, you know, a lot of guys said w- w- the things that they do now, but they said that was probably the most thankful handshake that any NBA player can get when your name get called on draft night and the commissioner is shaking your hand and telling every nice, thoughtful, and fruitful work. And he did a lot. He did a lot for the NBA. Dress code for the NBA, no more baggy stuff, you know. They, they pretty much kind of relax on it a little bit, but the players put their own twist on it. He wanted the guys to be professional because you can't come to the game wearing jogging pants and sweatpants even though you're on the court with shorts on in a jogging outfit anyway on the bench. So kudos to him for that. <laughs> Anything you want to chip in about the commissioner, Marcus, about David J. Stern? Um, 
I mean, he, you know, like he basically been a commissioner uh, for you and I, like our entire life, pretty much, you know, since 84. Uh, so everything we know about the NBA um, has pretty much came with David Stern, you know, as the commissioner. Um, and I, I think he did, he meant a lot to the NBA, meant a lot for the game. You know, like you said, the, the things like the tape delay, uh, dunk contest, uh, you know, professional NBA players in the Olympics, I think we're all huge things for basketball, not just for the NBA, but just basketball as a whole. Um, you know, it's sad, you know, sad story, you know, he died on the first um, and so short after he, you know, retired from being a commissioner. But, you know, he will be missed. You know, like you said, the, the players on Twitter seem to really uh, have thoughtful words for him. So, you know, that lets me know he probably, you know, more than likely was a good person as well, other than what we saw. So, um, you know, you know, prayers to him and the, and the Stern family, you know, you know, anybody in the NBA as well. You know, before we switch off this topic, you know, it was a huge deal. When he started the, the, D, the NBA D-League, and the first person won the D-League championship was an African-American female. Um, her name was Stephanie Reddy. She was the Hornets play-by-play or broadcaster announcer the sideline that goes unnoticed. You know, she won that. Um, one thing else I like about the commissioner, anybody who came to the park with an NBA basketball had a, his name was on the basketball. That's kind of huge to have your name on the ball. Like, you know what? I'm the commissioner. Put my name on the basketball. So <laughs> your basketball, if you had an NBA basketball, you see David J. Turner, your basketball won the fish. Oh, it's, I'll get an NBA ball. I'm looking at the ball. like, dog, what the commissioner name that? Who that? The ball efficient. Look at my ball. David J. Stern. He's a commissioner. Anybody walking in the gym with the NBA ball, you already know that ball going through, through, through to that net straight switch. <laughs> so that's a big deal to have. Like, kid you not. I got a basketball in my hand right now, Marcus. <laughs> NBA basketball. David J. Stern. The man has passed away. Mm-hmm. His name is on the rock, but right now, this year, we know Adam Silver name is on the ball now. So we want like you said, respectfully pay our respects to the NBA commissioner. He's the reason why I love the game of basketball. It changed so much with the All-Star Weekend festivities. Moving right along, uh, you're talking about the, the West. Um, you're saying you're looking at top to bottom of the Western of the Western Conference. I'm looking at teams like the Lakers, the Clippers. Like you said, you said sneakily, you're looking at the Clippers. Clippers 25 and 11. But I'm looking at these teams. Portland ain't going to catch fire sooner or later. Popovich right now got his Spurs in eighth place right now. They hold on to the spot. But speaking about this West, <laughs> I'm going to tell you a team that nobody's not talking about, but they sneakily getting the job done. I'm going to go by this man named CP3. CP3. Chris Paul. Oklahoma City Thunder. You got these guys 19 and 15. Seven, seven spot. Nobody's not talking about Chris Paul. Are you here? Mm-hmm. Lakers, Clippers, Rockets. Dallas and Utah, right? Right. Chris Paul, like, let's go ahead and get a job done. Right now, Chris Paul, to me, is playing some playing some of the best basketball that is going, going unnoticed without another superstar by his side. <laughs> he gets the lone superstar. Looking at guys like Steven Adams getting the job done, but you got Dennis Schroeder coming off the bench giving you 17 a night. Going on notice, he could be a bench. He could be your sixth man of the year. You know what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. I'm gonna shed the light on this young kid right here. His yeah. name, Sid 
Childress Alexander. Averaging 19.9 points per game. And the, the crazy thing is, she was 36% from the three-point line, and she was 80% from the free throw line. And mm. he's getting a job done. He's getting, he's getting a job done. He's, he's not scared. He's going to the hole, got the tenacity. He got that, he got that suave about him. <laughs> and then, then, too, like I said, we talk about Chris Paul, you know, 16 points, five rebounds as a point guard, and gave you six and a half assists, which is, which is a knock, because, you know, he used to average normally around nine to ten assists a game. His career is, is 9.6, where he gave you six and a half. But he's one thing I'm going to say about Chris Paul, he's a true leader on the court. He's a point guard, point guard. He don't have to. He score when he have to. But when Chris Paul score, he score a big baskets. When he, when he score on big baskets, you feel those baskets. So I think Chris Paul and that OKC Thunder is doing a nice job right now. They got fighting for a playoff spot. Nobody's not talking about them. You got a surprise that you want to talk about in that Western Conference right now? Uh, I think you took my Oklahoma City surprise. Oh. Um, you know, because uh, SGA, you know, say Gilders, he. He should be in a running for the most improved this year. Um, Chris Paul, you know, you know, they kind of put him in the Oklahoma City thing and they're leaving him for dead. He has res- resurrected, <laughs> resurrected Oklahoma City. Uh, you know, they, I know they got the uh, the spooky hotels there and all that stuff. He, uh, you know, he raising the dead in Oklahoma City. Like those guys is, I think they will finish in the top five in the, in the West. Um, they, you know, they, they had they a tough. lot of good wins lately. I mean, a couple of nail biters, but they uh, they, they played hard and they play hard to the end. And they play tough. They play tough. They play tough. What about the Eastern Conference? Um, on the East, I mean, I think uh, you know Milwaukee's they the they lead in the East, but I don't think they'll be the team representing the East Coast. Uh, I'm waiting for uh, the the Sixers to kind of put it together. You know, they show glimpses. Uh, that they are the best, you know, the most dominant team in the East, but they don't do it consistently enough. So if they, if it ever clicked for them at some point in this season, you know, I think they're going to win the East. Um, but a team to look out for on the East uh, is the Boston Celtics. You know, Kemba over there doing Kemba things. He, he's still in uh in on the East Coast, but you know, not in Charlotte. You know, Boston. I think they can. They can snatch it under both Philly and the Bucks. They can come out and represent the East too. If Philly don't get it, you know, if it don't click for them at the right time, I think Boston uh, end up taking the East. I guess you brought up Philly name because Josh Richardson did you play for the Miami Heat was on the 76ers, came out and said our locker room because it had that same type of leadership that he had in Miami for a guy that had been there only not even a year, but. Let's say five months in, going back to training. And that guy said they don't have that leadership. That means, I've been saying it before, I do not, I repeat, do not trust Joe and The locker room is the, getting divided. The reason I'm saying this is because I, I can believe it. there's some truth to it because now I think it was yesterday. Listen to one of the, one of the outlet sources on the radio, on the sports station. I'm not going to say where it was at. But Al Horford chimed in and said, "I'm not getting attention I used to get. I want the ball more." He's not. The, he's. He's. he's I, I think Al Horford averaging like nine points. You talk about a guy who's, who averaged about 15, 16 points when he's playing for the Boston and, and the Hawks like that, and you averaging nine because now Joel Embiid getting the ball more, 
Tobias Harris finding his stride, and you got Ben Simmons who controls the the rock majority of the offense. So only way Al Horford scores offensive rebound. He want to be more involved into the play calling or more involved in the offense. But that team is going to have some, like you said, they're going to have some turmoil going into the playoffs, although they're going to shake that off because now the locker room is now starting to turn, take another tie and some riffraff. Um, but my team in the East, Marcus, I wrote about them in the article. I'm sticking with the Miami Heat. Jimmy Buckets, Marcus. Jimmy Buckets is letting his team do what it do. So I'm looking at Jimmy Butler. He's an MVP. He's an MVP candidate right now. He's in he's in discussion about an MVP. Jimmy Butler brings that toughness to the team, Marcus. The Miami Heat right now is third place, sitting 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 nice in the East. They bring it in hard, but at the end of the day, do this team have enough to dethrone like a Milwaukee Bucks? How you feel about the Miami Heat, Marcus, sitting at 25 and nine? Right there on the heels of the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. Heat culture. What you think, Mark? So I think uh, they might, um, you know, we just talked about Oklahoma City. The Heat are like a, a, a Oklahoma City on, you know, on steroids in the East. So I think they will, you know, just because, you know, their culture, you know, Spo, you know, is probably one of the best coaches in the league. Mm-hmm. Their system is uh, – you know, you talk about system teams like the Patriots, the Spurs. Their system is right up there with, with those, you know, caliber franchises. I think the system and the culture can just overcome anything. But I think they surely can, you know, beat those giant, you know, like the the Bucks, the Sixers, Boston. I think that he can do that. Though. I think they may they need to make one move, though. I think they need one more guy um, to kind of get them over the top. I think right now. You know, just sheer will and power. Then you know, in the third place. But um, I think that right along up there with them uh, is another team people that are talking about a lot is the Indiana Pacers. Yeah. Keep in mind, Victor Oladipo is sure enough to come back pretty soon here. So once he come back, I think the Miami Heat and Indiana Pacers are teams you want to avoid in that playoff. You know, when they come play all time, you don't want to play neither one of those teams. I think they can, they're going to upset, upset some people. Hey, I think you took the words right out of my mouth. Victor Lodipo has that charisma. He has that where he can get the team over the hump. You know what I'm saying? He played for a couple of teams that gave up on him early. Orlando Madness. Okay, so Thunder had to make a trade to get Paul George back. And I understand that. But to play that one year under Russell Westbrook, to understand – what the body needs to prepare itself for day in and day out in the NBA life. Mitchell Depot did all that. Came an all-star just, just playing one season with those guys. And it, like you said, once he comes back and sustain his spot and, be, and, and, and find a rhythm, that team is dangerous by far. I agree with you on that 100%. Um, like you said, January, this is the nitty-gritty for, for the NBA players because now – you talking about we are two months away, Marcus, from going back to the NBA playoffs. The season just ended. <laughs> and we already talking about preparing for the playoffs. So once All-Star Weekend in, season pretty much a wrap. So what you going to do to get to that level? And I think, like you said, Miami and Indiana is the teams that nobody want to play in the playoffs. I'm going to the West. I'm thinking the Utah Jazz might be one of the teams nobody want to play. Houston can give you a run for the lane, too. It depends. 
what Russell Rusbrook and those young guys are going to do with that court. You know, Eric Gordon come back from injury pretty soon, too. So you talk about they're reliable to get another score. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think they that's what they need. They get that is we could be talking about a different number one seat in the East. So I do want to talk about this before we wrap this up. Um, going through this dialogue about certain things going on in the NBA. Um, I do want to talk about this hidden gem in the NBA. Who's going to own all this? Play for the Indiana Pacers. His name is Demonis Sabonis. You probably heard of him before. His dad's Arvidas Sabonis, who played for the Portland Trailblazers. Um, mm-hmm. He's having a breakout year, and most he can. He's a case to me is a dark horse for most improved player. Guys, pretty much almost averaging thirteen and a half rebounds to go along with almost 11, 11 points or better, and he's making it where that Miles Turner can be moved by the trading deadline. They say mm-hmm. when you look at the numbers that. Demonis Sabonis is more valuable than Miles Turner. He does a little bit more. He plays in the post. He can score. He rebounds. Not not knocking Miles Turner. Miles Turner to me is not the player that he once was a couple of seasons ago because he's been injury and he's been in the outer lineup for nagging injuries. Um, he's longer athletic. I think Miles Turner is set slightly on becoming more of a three point shooter than playing under the basket. Patients lose a lot of games because. He doesn't want to play under the mask. I look at key situations where he's on the bench in crunch time and Demonis Abonis is on the floor in the most valuable times of the, for the team. So I look at that. That's, that's a lot of things I look at differently watching that Pacers team. If you don't have NBA lead pass like we do, man, trust me, it's a must-have this season. Um, second sure. of all, Mark, you can believe. So in, the NBA All-Star votes, you can vote right now. Me and Mark is going to do something right now different. Um, before we do that, um, fan favorites. Alex Caruso got more fan all-star <laughs> votes than Devin Booker. Taco Fall got more votes than Andre Drummond. Taco Fall goes back and forth and playing for the Red Claws and come back and play for the Celtics on home nights. He's a two-way player. Alex Caruso, I like his game. But you talk about two mm-hmm. guys who are leaders of their team, Devin Booker and you talk about Andre Drummond. So. What me and Mark is gonna do? What me and Mark is gonna do? We're gonna uh, we're gonna go on our phones here. We're gonna we're gonna vote for NBA players All Star. So I'm going on my phone right now. Let's see. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna go to All Star voting for 2020. Uh, so me and Mark is gonna do this one. This is live, folks. Uh, let me know when you got your app up, Marcus. I got it up. Uh, now. We're not sponsored by the NBA. <laughs> not at all. Doing this. Um, right now, I'm going to start out in the East. He's on the East Coast. for point guard. The first thing come up is Kyrie Irving, who is basically to play basketball. I think he don't want that smoke because he want to go. He don't want to play for a team on the season that with a losing record. Um, if I go for guard, if I'm looking for a point guard right now, I can vote in the East. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm, my first vote, Marcus. I'm going with Kemba Walker. He's averaging 22 points with five assists. Uh, I don't disagree. I think we will be locked in sequel on that one. Campbell Walker is my first vote, too. All right. My second vote, man, I don't care what nobody say. I'm going with the real deal, Bradley Beal, 27.8 points per game, six and a half assists. I'm going with that as the point guard. Um, so, so my backcourt is Walker and, and the Bradley Beal. So this is probably where we're going to differ. What's up, you going with Big Simmons? No, I'm not going Big Simmons. Um... My point guard 
I'm gonna go with uh, I'm here, here, here. I'm gonna go with uh, from Brooklyn. You know, you said Kyrie Irving. I think this guy's kept the Brooklyn Nets in the playoffs. Right? You going with? I'm telling you, I know who you're going with. You going with Spencer Dinwiddie? Absolutely, yes, sir. Hey, hey look, hey, look. I can't disagree with that. I cannot disagree with that. I can't disagree with that. So you got Kemba Walker and, and spend money. I call I call Spencer Dinwiddie Mr. Steve Harvey Mustache. So, so now okay. I'm going to my front court. The first name that popped up, I will go with um, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yep, is is no. I think that's an absolute vote. <laughs> so yeah, Giannis is first uh, front court player. Uh, my second player, m- me, my second player. I'm think um to be honest with you, I think he's playing at a to me at an all time high. I'm going with Spicy P. Hmm. <laughs> okay, so we about to differ again. So this this is where I'm uh. I'm gonna go with Jimmy Butler. Ooh, Jimmy here. I know that's more like three guards and two forwards, but I'm going with Jimmy here. And it's funny that you said that. Um, wow, I think Jimmy Butler might get voted on as a uh, as a reserve. So me, the player that I see, I think I'm gonna go with that one. I think there's no brainer, Jola Jola Lee. Okay, and I I agree with that too. I say players like Jimmy Butler and mine. I'm gonna say Jimmy Butler to buy. I'm gonna say Jimmy Butler and Jason Tatum and Chris Middleton would be voted as reserves. And so is Kevin. I think Kevin Love's playing the All Star level too as well. Um, okay. I, I started the East off. I'm gonna read this back to you, Marcus. I got Kemba Walker the point guard, Bradley Bill my two, Giannis at three, uh, Siakam at the four, and Joel B at the five. Uh, one thing I'm say about this lineup, the front court, it's all international flavor. Sure. We've got the freak, Spicy P, and we got Joel and B, Trust the Process. I'm going to let Marcus, you're going to do the honors. You're going to start the West off with your first pick. Who you going with? King James, my first pick at point guard. <laughs> you're putting LeBron at the point guard? Yep. Okay. All right. All right. No disrespect. At my, at my guard spot, I'm going with Luca. Dante. He's, I ain't old enough to drink yet. He's almost at, he's averaging 29, 9, and 9. <laughs> <laughs> I don't disagree with that. That's why he's my second pick. Luca Dante. All right. That's your pick. My second pick. Man. Why the West why the West gotta be so tough? Like they got multiple players at every position, just about. All right. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with the bearded one. I'm gonna go with James Harden. At my two spot. Oh, okay. Okay, look. I think James Harden is averaging 38 points per game, dog. <laughs> seven <laughs> averaging seven assists and five rebounds, and he's shooting 59 percent from the field. <laughs> That's crazy. Ooh. I, I can't go away. I can't go against that either. Um, I do. Yeah, that's going around. That's going to be my three. It's going to be LeBron, Luca, and James Harden. Uh. James, I mean, you know, LeBron and James Harden can inter-swap. I mean, all three of them really can play all the same positions. So I'm going to go with James Harden at my forward. All right. So for you, it's going to be easy right here for me on LeBron James and my front court. Okay. All right. So we all got we got the same players so far. We just picked them in a different order. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So for you know my first front court spot, hmm. he ain't said no Clippers name. I, I'm gonna go with Kawhi Leonard. So you going with the claw? All right. He, I'm gonna go with Kawhi Leonard. Okay. And rounding it out, I'm going with Anthony Davis at the center. That's the same for me. I'm going with AD. But notable mentions that could have been and will be probably an all-star. I'm going to get Mark Anthony Towns, maybe an all-star this year. Mm-hmm. To be honest with you, it's a dark horse all-star out there. I hope the coaches take heave and vote him in. I'm going to say Brandon Ingram. Play some great basketball. For sure. I mean, if they had Zion, I think they'd be uh, firmly planted in the playoff spot, playoff race. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I know we gave uh, Zion a lot of criticism early this year, but I think just his energy alone would make guys play better. So I think if he was in a lineup, New Orleans, with Brent, the way Brandon Ingram playing, they'd be primarily in the playoff hunt if he was playing. Uh, I was going to say my uh, honorable mentions probably uh, either Dane Lillard or Paul George, one of those guys. People going to hate this. Biggest all-star snubs. Montez Harrell. And Lou Williams. Yeah, they probably ain't. You talking about the best scoring benches in the league? Those two players? Those two players combined almost average 40 points together on the floor. You should throw those two <laughs> down. Where will Clippers be? You don't know. They're going to be the biggest snubs. And people are going to sit back like, Montreal and Lou Williams got to be an all-star. I think they're going to be the biggest snubs. Yeah, There's just too many guys at those positions in the West. I mean, Lou Will, what you call him, shooting guard, point guard. Like mm-hmm. the first three guys we named, you know, Luca, James Harden, LeBron, yeah, like they all play anything from the one through the three. Right. So you can, you got to go with one of them, and then you got always like Paul George and Russell Westbrook, who we ain't even mentioned. It's like, when, where where you gonna make room for them? <laughs> Talk about Chris Paul, maybe an All Star. Like you looking at Carmelo Anthony, might be an All Star just off the strength. So it's <laughs> right. a lot of to go into this. You talk about guy, like you said, like you said, Marcus. You said you got multiple guys in that position to the Donovan Mitchell, to the to the Rudy Gobert. It's a lot of guys that can be an All Star. Is somebody going to be snubbed? I reached out to the Clippers guys' names out there. We know those going to be some of the biggest snubs mm-hmm. for sure. With that being said, people, we got to wrap it up. This has been a this so far. Start the year off right. This has been a fun podcast doing this one. Um, like I said, if you don't, if you're not listening to us, Marcus, who we on? SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, uh-huh. mm-hmm. Google Podcasts. We we everywhere. We everywhere. So tune in and listen to us. We give you the real. We ain't got no microphones. Nobody's telling nothing air producing wise. We do this because we love the game. We love the sport. I'm your host Tay Wiggs. And it's your co-host, Mark Sand. We get out of here. Peace. Peace. Yay! Thank you for listening to After Hours Live from the Man Cave Podcast. If you would like to hear more from me and my man, Tay Wiggs, please go to your favorite podcast listener and subscribe to us. We are just about everywhere nowadays. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple iTunes and Google Podcasts. So if you like what you hear, subscribe to us to hear more. Oh, and before I go, please also hit up our Anchor profile page. That's anchor.fm forward slash after hours live from the man cave. And click that little purple button that says support this podcast and help us out. 
Peace.